Toot squeak. Yes, Jesus loves me. Peppa Bull tells me so. Hi, Abby. You have found your summer dishes. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. Today, I want to introduce you to an amazing ministry within Samaritan's Purse called Children's Heart Project, often called CHP. Children's Heart Project has been a ministry at Samaritan's Purse since 1997. CHP has arranged life-saving operations for more than 1,400 children from several countries, such as Bosnia, Uganda, Bolivia, and many more. CHP works with top quality hospitals to provide surgery for children living in countries where the medical expertise and equipment are not available. It is so important that these children have this surgery as they would die without these critical heart surgeries. And it's amazing to see these moms overjoyed with their children who have a new physical heart, and many of them have new spiritual hearts as they find hope in Jesus Christ while being here in the United States. Today, I'm gonna introduce you to mothers and host families and people that have been involved with Children's Heart Project. These moms brought their kids to come correct congenital heart defects in their little ones. They came in February and they were scheduled to return home six weeks later, but because of COVID-19, they've had an extended stay. You're gonna hear more about that today. Today, I'm on the ground in Greensboro, North Carolina. I have the privilege of seeing uh, nine of our Children's Hearts Project uh, moms and kids that have come to the United States for a heart um, life life-saving heart surgery. And so it's a joy to watch these kids running around, blowing bubbles uh, here at the hotel right outside of Greensboro Airport um, as they await to get on an airplane tomorrow. They get to go on the DC-8 and go back to their home country in Mongolia after four months uh, in the United States. So today I wanna introduce you to Cindy Bonsall. She's the director of Children's Heart Project at Samaritan's Purse, and she's been with the ministry for over 22 years, but she's been with Children's Heart Project for over 17, so she has a wealth of experience and knowledge. And so can you talk to me about this group in particular and, and how they're getting home tomorrow? Okay. We have nine children who have had open heart surgery here today that are getting home tomorrow on our Samaritan's Purse aircraft called the DC-8. So we're very excited that they're gonna be able to go home all together on this flight, uh, all the way to Mongolia. I know, did most of these kids and their moms come February, early February? Yes. Had their surgery and now have been delayed almost four months. So I know they're so excited to go back home, but what will that look like when they land in Mongolia? Yeah, so these families have been waiting to go home now since February, and they've had surgery, and then of course the pandemic hit, so they've been here a long, long time. Um, and so they are very excited to get home. Um, it's been a long wait. However, when they get home, there's still another wait. They have 21 days of a quarantine at a government uh, facility when they get home. So they will still not be able to see their families for 21 days. And they will all be together. Um, they'll be able to get supplies uh, every Thursday from their families, but not really have any kind of interaction with their families for another 21 days. So it's been a very long journey for them. Up next, I want you to hear from Ken Isaacs, who is the Vice President of Programs and Government Relations. He was at the hangar to see the families off and helped with the permissions to make it possible. 
so it was a it was a complicated process. On the Mongolian side, we were in direct contact with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the National Emergency Management Agency, the Ministry of Health, civil aviation authorities, and then on the United States side, uh, we contacted people in the office of the Vice President, in the National Security Council, in the State Department, the ambassador from the United States to Mongolia, and the ambassador from Mongolia to the United States. They all played a role in it. They all use their influence uh, to make it happen. And um, uh, again, Mongolia is, I think, the strictest country in the world. Like, they're not, they totally close their airspace. So there's only two charter flights a month going into the country, and over 11,000 Mongolians are out of the country. So it's very competitive to get in, and God's blessed us and let us have this DCA. So uh, uh, we're able to use it now to return these people home along with the humanitarian supplies that were donated to the Ministry of Health in Mongolia. So I just, I got to talk with one of the moms. Um, she has a five-year-old little boy who needed heart surgery. And I just can't, I'm overwhelmed with the radiance that just came out of her. She was teary, but happy, just joyful about the physical changes in her son. You know, his heart condition, she truly saw immediate change in him. You know, his lips had cut, the pink coloring, his face, his coloring changed. Uh, he's able to do things that he wasn't able to do prior. So physically, he changed immediately from the surgery. But the biggest transformation is her spiritual transformation. This mom accepted Christ on May, March 4th, which is her birthday. Um, she'd been in the country since February 8th. They came for his heart surgery. Uh, his surgery was on February 21st. And so um, in that month of being here, her host family uh, led her to the Lord. And so it was neat to see just the way that she was marveling in the work that God had done and the time that she'd been here because they were supposed to go home uh, early March, uh, but that got put off because of COVID. But she sees this extra time in the States as such a blessing and the time to grow deeper in the Lord. And she would read her Bible every day and became really close with her translator. She didn't know a translator before they hadn't met, but now they've become great friends. Can you have her explain or share her name and her son's name? Um, and I want to know when she knew about his heart condition. Uh, she said, hello, my name is Purusurun. My son, Aryung Irden, he is five years old. After she gave birth to Aryung Irden, he was, uh, he always had health issues and they didn't know exactly what happened to him. And then when he was 11 months, then uh, he was diagnosed with heart defect. Mm -hmm. And then they were told that uh, this heart defect can't be operated in his own country. Mm -hmm. It can be, it should be done abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, with this heart condition, it was very challenging as parents to see how his uh, their child uh, is very weak mm -hmm. and uh, he just gets sick very easily. And then even though he wants to play with the kids, mm -hmm at his age, uh, he can't really catch up them, and uh, he used to get tired very easily. Mm -hmm. And even he want, they wanted to send him to kindergarten, but he can't because of his heart disease, and always an adult, uh, he needs to be under supervision of an adult at home. Mm -hmm. And then when mm -hmm. parents work, they uh, had their grandparents to watch 
to take care of him. Mm. Yeah, doctor told that unless he has open heart surgery, there will be uh, like difficulty for him, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. as he grows up. And then that uh, operation needs to be done abroad. And Ondras is the name of the doctor uh, mm -hmm. who was in charge of the son. And then uh, that doctor told that there's an organization, Samaritan's Purse, and then why don't you go there and then uh, just um, get their help? Because mm -hmm. she knew, she worked with Samaritan's Purse, and she said, uh, they might help your son to have surgery in mm. America. And then she was so happy, of course, his parents, when they received a call from Samaritan's Person in December that your child is accept, ex, accepted. And then they said uh, that currently we haven't found a hospital. But she's saying even though the hospital was not certain, they were very happy. At the end of December, uh, she received another call from Samaritan's person. Then uh, they said they have found uh, the hospital. And then uh, the day they heard this news was Monday, and she was so happy. That week started with the good news, and first person she shared about the good news is mom, her mother. Yeah. Before um, coming here, she knew nothing about Christ, hmm. nothing about Jesus. Uh, Christianity and then as soon as we were uh, just we arrived at the host family uh, the first day when they uh, just welcomed us their home she felt this great love and she was welcomed and then that was just amazing the day she received Christ was a very unusual like she felt so happy and peaceful and she <laughs> now she's saying be amazed <laughs> that was amazing yes that was amazing spiritual birth on her physical birthday <laughs> two birthdays and same thing your son i heard he says yes. i have a new heart yeah so physically and spiritually yeah you are different you are going home different now is there anything she wants to say to people that are supporting uh this ministry um you know a report to share or something yes. she wants to share with them. So she said that she is thankful to everybody, including hospital, even uh, every nurses in the hospital who took care of Ertne and uh, who were, uh, everybody who were part of this surgery process. Mm -hmm. And then all the Christians, missionaries, churches, host families. Mm -hmm. She's so thankful. And then, of course, it's always, there's always not enough word to thank mm -hmm. them. And then, uh, like, God, she now understands that God really uses these people as, as his tool. Mm -hmm. And then uh, these people, just because of because God commanded them to mm -hmm. do, mm -hmm. you know, so that's wonderful and she's thankful and she wants to be like them. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. So the, so the little boy is actually right now, you can hear him in the background, he's saying, I have a new heart. 
And so I talked with the mom and I said, you knew coming here that he would get a new heart. You know, he would be fixed, but you didn't know that you would. And she just got teary and said, yes, you know, she has coming home a new person too. And so physically they knew that he would, and he had to leave the country in order to get this life-changing, life-saving heart surgery. But here she was the one being saved by Jesus. And so her heart is new. And she actually last week asked to be baptized before she went back home. So at their home church, their pastor was able to baptize her. And she wanted to make that physical commitment um, to what had been done in her heart while she's been here with her host family. Host families play such an important role in this process. They open up their homes and their hearts and they truly bring the mission field into their home. It's such a selfless calling anyway, but especially became critical with COVID and the extension of time, the anxiety and strain that it caused on the families from Mongolia. I wanna introduce you to Michelle Nelson. She's from Rochester, Minnesota, and her family had offered to host the entire duration, which was extended due to COVID-19. She also hosted two families, which meant five people in her home for four months. But she reflected on her time with such joy and gratitude, and I was inspired by her selfless Christ-like attitude that she embraced these women and children like her family. I've been involved really loosely with um, CHP for probably seven or more years. Um, So when I first heard about it, um, we first kind of took baby steps and we um, brought meals to the host families. We stopped by for a visit. Um, And um, it was just a very easy way to sort of get our feet wet. So then we talked to those host moms in the following year. Um, We said, well, why don't we, let's just jump in. We've got the space in our house. Um, So how we've done it most years in Rochester is that we have split it between two host families. It's typically like two and a half to three weeks um, for the first family and then two and a half, three weeks for the second family. So um, a little different than this year's experience. But um, so um, those, it's interesting because the two halves of that um, hosting time are very, very different Mm because these folks are coming in, they're really scared about everything that's, um, you know, that they know is going to be happening with the surgeries. They're also really excited, but of course they also don't know anybody. So um, the neat part about hosting as the first half host is just really helping them to feel at peace and at home and um, that our home is their home. And um, that's really the biggest piece of that puzzle. Because then when you, when they are done with their surgeries and they come home and recuperate for maybe a week, then they move to our, the second host home. So then that host home has a little bit of recovery, but kind of all the fun then because mm-hmm. the babies really heal so quickly. Um, so then usually we can, you know, go to the zoo, go to the Mall of America, go to, you know, do all kinds of fun things together. Um, so for the first three years, we hosted that way, where we hosted half and then half. Um, but then last year, we hosted the whole time. And then this year, we hosted the whole time as well. And that just happened to turn into four months. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so typically you said, you know, they come for about six weeks-ish. Mm -hmm. So you commit yep. to, yeah, you said about three weeks mm -hmm. if you did half of it. Um, so what was it like getting the news that they weren't, in fact, going back? When and you know how did the family take it and how did you guys take it? Yeah. So I think when um, uh, the COVID thing hit, we you, sort of was nice because you didn't have all the information up front. Mm -hmm. So you thought, well, maybe this will just be the short window, and then something magical will happen and it will be fine. Um, but, but also, it was kind of it was sort of baby steps. How it because they they didn't say they're gonna not go back home until July, right? It was like, well, we think we're hoping in a couple of weeks the border will open. Well, then that didn't happen, and then it's like, okay, now we have tickets for them for June 9th. So we're really just praying that God orchestrates that and they can be on that plane. Well, no, that's not how God's going to orchestrate that. And now we don't really have a date in mind, but, you know, CHB just continually affirmed to us, we are working day and night. There's nothing more important than us getting these babies and moms back home to their country, to their families. Um, so that was, I mean, that was really a great source of comfort mm -hmm. to us, having real confidence that mm -hmm. that was a exactly what was happening so it so it was easier with little bite-sized pieces mm -hmm. than saying mm -hmm. um they're gonna now stay until kindergarten <laughs> mm -hmm. right <laughs> i agree i i've been reading jeremiah and i'm like when jeremiah wrote to them you know the in babylonia he's like you're gonna be there for 70 years I'm like i don't know that i would want to know oh. that you know but oh. i think he wanted them to go ahead plant some, you know, vineyards, build some houses, you know, you know, become a part of this community, put your, put your roots in, yeah. you know, and I think, so I think yeah. there's that fine line, but how have you seen, um, that extension, <laughs> um, been a blessing? Cause I, I know that there's hard mm -hmm. and I mean, cause even just my own kids in my home for that extended time has been difficult, but mm -hmm. here's people you don't know well, um, staying longer. How has, but how has it been a blessing? Um, so our youngest two um, kids are still at home, and so, and the babies came to us, of course, sick and weak. Mm -hmm. um, so through this four-month process, we've seen learning to crawl, learning to stand, learning to mostly fall down, and then learning to walk, then learning to talk. Um, I mean, so for me and my husband, but especially for our two, you know, fairly grown kids um, that are at home, it was it was really something for them to see this unfold, and you know, they just knitted themselves into our kids, and um, so as a mom of almost grown um, kids, it's great to see them experience that mm -hmm. so so selfishly that was a neat part for me mm -hmm. um they um I think God of course orchestrated perfectly just who needed to be here mm -hmm. um and that doesn't mean that there were not like little bumps you know right all of us have not great days and um but it um you know, our interpreter um, was able to do a number of different 
types of studies with the moms. The first one that she completed um, early on, um, both of the moms um, um, when asked if they would like to accept Jesus as their savior, said yes. So I usually really like to, um, you know, over time, which this gave us more time, to be able to share a lot more about who Jesus is, because they really don't usually have much perspective. And they come from, most of them, from a religious background, usually Buddhist or um, animism or other things that are very Mm fear-based. So if you don't do this ritual, you don't do these things, bad things can happen to you. And so to just over time be able to warm them to what love looks like. Um, I think that's our biggest gift of having this Mm -hmm. longer period of time. You know, we're certainly not a perfect family, but they see what that looks like, a husband and a wife. They see what our kids are like. Yeah, so uh, the one mom uh, had started reading her Bible um, a lot, um, and that just, you know, every bit of God's word that gets hidden in there, Mm -hmm. that will bear fruit. You know, I'm confident of that. This trip was so impacting on me in many ways. For one, I loved seeing these moms just glow with gratefulness, seeing their children run, play, blow bubbles, things they'd never been able to do because they would tire easily. And knowing how much they'd sacrificed and worried over their child's health, they were now set free from this fear and there was a freedom that I saw in their hearts. But more importantly, to see the spiritual transformation in many of them. They all knew they were coming here for a physical help for their children, but they didn't know that they needed spiritual healing and freedom from this bondage of sin. Many of them, their extended time was a blessing. It helped them grow in their relationship with Christ and they were discipled by their translator and their host families. I kept thinking about how God gives us what we need, not what we want. And this extension, they wouldn't have picked or planned to be far from their friends and family in Mongolia. But like Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God used this time to work good in their lives and draw them closer to himself. And also Joseph's testimony, when he says, um, when he's comforting his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. And so I hope like I was encouraged by these families during COVID, you know, we wouldn't have planned any of this, but we can lean into it and see the ways that God is intending it to accomplish his good and his glory. Prayer is a vital aspect to our ministry. While on the ground in Greensboro, I was able to talk to people and, and get specific prayer requests for the families as they go home. Here's what they had to say. So the biggest thing I think for them going home is that they have somebody that will connect with them. Um, sometimes there's a church nearby and then it um, is just, is somebody coming in at least even infrequently to say, hey, I'm gonna be coming to your province. Let's go, would you come to church with me? To just try to just um, sort of kick the can a little bit further down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so that's a big deal. Um, I do know, you know, some of them don't have churches in a, or they're herders and they move around some. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess the prayer would just be that the Holy Spirit would take what's already been planted here mm-hmm. and he would just feed that. He would find some way through some person, mm-hmm. through radio, through the scripture um, that would just grow that seed mm-hmm. because he can do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I yeah. just wanted we just always ask for how to pray because I think so many of us don't know if we haven't walked in your shoes and we don't know, but I love that. Fan the flame, you know, it's like that bonfire. You got to keep stroking the fire. He's showing us that it's him Mm -hmm. and it's only him that can part the Red Seas, that can open the doors for these families, that can provide for their surgeries, that I don't take this project for granted any Mm -hmm. longer. Mm I realize what a privilege it has been all these years to help so many children. And what seemed to be very easy can be taken away in a minute. And that's what we've learned from the pandemic, our whole team, and we've had to completely depend on him. It's been so fun to see, I know, all these kids have been all over the U.S. Um, and even in the Cayman Islands. So they've all been separated at different hospitals and different host families, but here they're coming together today and we brought out bubbles and little blowers and balls and squirt guns and these kids have just been running and I think it's just exciting to know that these kids came, um, many as infants, unable to move and now many have learned to walk um, and they're now able to walk and do things that they weren't able to before. And so these moms are talking about how you know, they had to give up their jobs to stay home or have grandparents be with their kids because they couldn't go to school. They couldn't live a normal life because of their physical, their heart. Um, and now they're able to run and free and um, just the coloring of these kids is perfect and whole. And um, so, yeah, it's been awesome to watch them just interact. And I think these interpreters have become like family uh, to be able to see them um, just bond um, in the absence of their external, you know, their extended family back home. Uh, God's used this time to grow them closer together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I just love talking to our staff and families who came for this life-saving surgery. These moms and translators have been away from their family and their country for months, but the journey's not over. They safely arrived in Mongolia on July 2nd, and they're still in the midst of their 21-day government quarantine. So please continue to pray for them as they wait to see their families and as they're reunited, that they would be able to bring the good news to their families. These new Christians truly are being commissioned back home. Matthew 28, 19 says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son "'and of the Holy Spirit, "'teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. "'And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age.'" So be praying that they'll be reminded that God is with them always. God is moving through this ministry, taking the mission home. Thanks again for tuning in and thank you for praying with our ministry and supporting us. God bless you.